we stop living if we don't progress. Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. So that's why I'm here each episode, bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and I once did an interpretive dance to Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Today on the show, we've got Suzanne Perchel. Suzanne is the founder of Point to Rise, an empowerment society for dancers and other artists. She's a podcast host and a former international ballerina who had the privilege to grow up behind the Iron Curtain in Berlin, Germany. You better believe her story is not boring. She's the founder of Rise Media and is here today to share her story and some empowering thoughts about not conforming and anymore, not living up to other people's expectations, but stepping forward to live a free-spirited and big dreaming life and start creating the kind of life you want instead of chasing what someone else is giving you. Oh boy, do I ever love this conversation. I'm sure that you will as well. Look, when something jumps out to you in this episode, please share it on social media so that other people can experience the same kind of transformation that you are. Don't forget to rate and review this on your favorite podcast player and know that I know you could be anywhere in the world, but you're choosing to engage with these not boring stories. And for that, I am so grateful for you. Enjoy this conversation with Suzanne. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. My name is, of course, Alex Street, and this is the place where there are no boring stories. And so thankfully today, we've got my very good friend on the show, Suzanne Perchel, and she has, does she ever have a story to tell? And we are going to talk all about her story. We're going to talk about storytelling through ballet and what comes up in that and how it's done. We're just going to have a good old time together. Suzanne, how are you? Oh, I I am so good. First of all, best day of my life, as my husband would say. And secondly, I am so grateful for having this conversation. Like this has been not only overdue, but I'm also grateful that you are having this podcast and I get to share my story right here. Yes, yes. You host your own podcast, uh, which is phenomenal. You've been doing that for what, just over a year? Uh, not even eight not months. Even. And we're at 108 episodes tomorrow. I'm on. Yeah. So what do you see in that? Let's just talk about podcasting for a little bit. You trying to put what you're trying to pull people's stories out of them. What What is that effort for you? Okay, so... I'm going to back up to yeah. to really understanding where where this all started. So as a as a dancer, I was never used to using my voice, nor was I used to sharing any kind of thoughts through my voice and yeah. my my actual story. I love that because you mean very literally like using your voice. We talk about, you know, use your voice metaphorically all the time, but you're like, yeah. no, 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 that's just no, not no, no. how we showed up at all and you yeah. know me like we we go i wanted to say way back but actually it's only 2 years um you know where i started right mm-hmm. and i went through one of um of your programs and and how many aha moments i had i think i launched actually the the podcast while we were in 
in right. in it, like That's with right. two feet. The Fearless um, Speakers Academy, no doubt. So you broke through some fears to actually do the podcast and launch that. And shame too. Mm-hmm. So that's, and I, I, I started originally because I wanted more content. I wanted to challenge me to actually step into something that I knew I could do. And yet I was so fearful of, mm-hmm. um, because I know that the industry that I'm serving is not used to serving their voice. And I wanted to take that first step and say, Hey, if I can do this, so can you. Oh, goodness. That is the most (laughs) quintessential piece of what storytelling is in this, in branding and speaking, communicating in any way. I mean, really just storytelling as a whole is about saying like, look, this has been my lived experience. So how does it relate with yours? And if I've been through this, you can get through this too. And then maybe let's take that another step and say, if you need help, I'm an authority on that and I can help you get there. And so is that how, how does it, does it feel easier? 108 episodes in, is it easier? Are you like, oh, sure. I can show up now. No problem. Um, so to be completely transparent, absolutely much easier in the beginning, I would write yeah. out every sentence that I would say, and now I'm just pick a topic and I'll go for it. Wow. Um, I am getting more selective in who I actually invite on the podcast mm-hmm. because I want to have true conversations that offer value and are not just a complaining um, streak and we're not offering any solutions because that's not how we find change. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's where I'm at. I'm also launching a fourth episode per week where we're just literally talking to younger aspiring artists wow. who they have. Uh, it's contextually focused to them because that's where the change happens too right like it's it might be easier at 16 than it is at 25 or 35 yeah i just love this because even the transformation that you've been on here which i assume as we get into this and get into your story is uh, a microcosm of your your much bigger transformation um you've experienced over eight months and there's someone listening to this who has an idea to start a podcast to write a book to show up in some new way and they are holding back and you're like it in eight months i'm showing up and and essentially winging it and feeling confident in that in a way that you simply didn't have before no, because I was so attached to the outcome. I was so fearful of judgment. Yeah. I um I had so much shame deep down hidden in there from let's say past failures or or stories that I had told myself or had taken on that who I was and what I was capable of. Yeah. And when I realized that that's not mine, I I all of this is free to go and I can create my own story and my own beliefs i think that's where the breaking point happened where where that first step into oh well what if mm-hmm. you know i stopped saying i can't and i started saying well what would it look like what if i could actually what would that feel like and being okay with being totally terrible i mean when i listen yeah. to the first episodes i'm like oh oh well <laughs> uh-huh. but that's okay you know and I'm sure that when I'm 700 episodes into it and I'm listening now, oh my goodness, like seriously, has somebody yeah. listened to that? 
and that's okay. And I never was okay with the journey, Alex. Like yeah. you, you know, right? Like from a performing artist, like we're stepping onto stage and it needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that was always the life. There was never room to to grow or to learn or to make mistakes. And not that I'm okay with it, but I'm getting used to it. Oof. It's so good. And that's just a little teaser for your story, which we're going to get into in a minute to hear that journey um, of how you how you dealt with that need for perfection in the performance. And uh, yeah, how does somebody go through that, experience that, and get to the point where you're at now, where you're like, I, I'm not, what did you just say? I don't want it, but I'm okay with it. Like, you don't want to live in that failure or that imperfection, but I'm okay with it. I just, I just, what we will see as you go through your story is that, and because I know your story, we've done some work together. I kind of have a cheat sheet on this a little bit, but as we go through that, people are going to see just how that happens and what's, mm-hmm. what's required to experience a transformation like that. Um, so I'm excited to get into that, but I do want to touch on this because I mean, you've been in ballet all your life. Hmm. And as you just said, we don't use our voices when we're dancing. I am somebody who probably uses my voice too much and (laughs) says too many words and has learned, is learning how to trim that back a little bit. But I really, I recognize the value in body language, obviously, as as I love acting and I love what you can do with the blocking and the, the positioning. Um, there's something really magical about that, but I am so reliant on my voice and especially in telling a story. So much of what I do is about how to, how to use language to bring us along a transformation journey. So I would love to hear you like just nerd out a little bit here and teach us the storytelling that exists in ballet. And like, if somebody somebody knows it, they see this, they're like, wow, I'm going to see some people do some phenomenal moves. And how do they jump six feet in the air? How do they stand on their toes? And that's the wow factor. But you see this story in it. Yes, I do. And oh my gosh, that is that is such a good question. How do people okay, tell stories with tell just their story? bodies? With their bodies. <laughs> you know what? This may so there there are two ways I would say um, I prefer the second one. The first one is just through gestures, you know, lifting your arm or pointing to things or shaking your head or um, running away. That's one thing. And then so so there's certain moves there that you would pick up on and be like, okay, well this is obviously what this means. Yeah, this is obviously the swan flying away. This is obviously. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Sleeping Beauty, falling to sleep or getting her right. crown or having her oh, birthday party. Yeah, oh, that, that kind of, you know, <laughs> these are the gestures that we're using in ballet without the voice behind it. However, if there is no soul behind it, it so is, is just that. Word? Yeah. So the okay. soul, the actually embodiment and the feeling of the story and having that narrative in your head going on meaning having the words behind it that then create the emotion so you can actually embody the story is where the magic happens. So you can tell, and you would say, you know, if I went in as a first-time viewer 
and saw a show, I would be able to tell the difference between a, a performance that had soul in it and one that went through the exact same actions, but the dancers didn't believe it. Absolutely. Because it's not touching your soul and your emotions if there is no energy exchange coming. Okay, so let's take for an example. You went to see Hamilton, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thankfully so, I did. The day yes, before the world did. shut down. <laughs> exactly. When the world turned upside down, as he would say, uh, I saw the day before. Okay. <laughs> but let's imagine them just riffing off the words and right. singing and just going through the motions without embodying and feeling what these characters are actually saying, then it would just be as boring, even mm -hmm. with the words, even with their amazing voices, with their mm -hmm. skills, um, than it is the same in, in dance. Like if there is somebody on stage and just pointing and saying to me that yeah. gesturing that I am so tired, am I going to go die now? Um, I'm not buying that. And with that, I'm not spending 60 bucks on it to see that because it right. doesn't open my heart. And I think this is, this is what's beautiful. What you just opened up for me was to recognize that, yes, of course, they're putting on a character and they're not just putting on a tutu. They're putting on a character. They're put they're, They are stepping out on that stage as any actor, singer, um, performer would do to say, this is who I need to be for this audience right now. And I need to step into that. And the best of the best do that with their whole mind, body, and soul. They become the swan, yeah. the, the swan princess. I don't know. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he becomes Alexander Hamilton. There you go. We lose Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. And we see, um, I don't know, yeah, an 18th century politician. So, okay, I'm in. I buy it. Anybody that wasn't willing to go to the ballet before and now is like, oh, okay. All right. I'm in. I could I'll do that. Maybe. <laughs> so what is it? Uh, tell me. I mean, that's not what you're doing right now. You're not dancing these days. I mean, aside from for fun, perhaps. But um, what is it? What is the work that you're doing? You know, you've got a podcast and you're bringing people together for what? Uh, what's the main work? Oh, such a such a great question to answer to, because I am finally feeling like I'm living in my purpose. Yes. Um, so. I started out with coaching dancers on their mindset, on their high performance habits, and and really like putting their their aligning their goals with their habits, and mm -hmm. that didn't feel right to me. It just was not where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So right now, um, my bigger mission is actually building a platform that, at its core, gives the arts their power back, meaning that this chasing of money that chasing for attention the chasing of old beliefs has to stop in order for the arts to become sustainable and a healthy environment to be in um arise media was born i think a month ago on paper we are incorporated um a place where you know we build community where we have events where we coach where we host coaches where we um host content for performing artists so that they have multiple streams of income coming in we do the same for uh, for 
performing arts companies so that they can stop chasing their donors and just spending 40% of their income on fundraising opportunities and, and activities every year again. So sustainability is yeah. on the top of the chain. And that's where like I'm stepping into so many areas that I really don't know what to do with. And I'm having the best time. I'm exhausted because it is, yeah. you know, on here and on here, it is straining. Um, but it feels like the past two years have led me to this point. Like whatever mm. I've learned, like that moment you and I stepped into that yeah. room on Sunset Boulevard, that is where it started. <sighs> Which I, you're referring to a, a mastermind that, yeah. that we were a part of. Um, and and yeah, it was, a, it was a really honest, real vulnerable moment that we shared that, um, you know, maybe it's part of the story as we get into it, uh, a, a climaxing moment that we'll hit on in just a minute. But you're stepping forward as a leader in this industry to have this impact for the arts that is, as you say, letting the arts actually shine, actually yeah, be the power arts back. <laughs> to take their like, power back. Yeah. Stop being the victim and, and start creating something that, you know, our grandkids can enjoy again. And, and and having it available. Yeah. And not only to the ones that can afford it. So from the dancers to the whole company, you're like, I'm I'm there and I'm here to support oh, yeah, you I'm so we can it. actually create something. And in this, what I love is it's the same theme that you just you know touched on 10 minutes ago is you're trying something brand new here. You're doing something that you didn't know was possible two years ago, but here you are trying it with this massive vision and not waiting for it to be perfect. Before oh, no. you show up, <laughs> she's like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> and you know what, Alex? I don't think there is a perfect. But have you always thought that? No, no. Well, let's go back there then. You want to let's go back explore there? that? Let's because um, I that is for you to say that is massive. I don't think there is a perfect. No. Um, yes, and it is massive. You're right. Thank you. So where does this idea of, of power, of getting your power back, of getting stepping into your own power um, through the imperfection, where does that journey begin for you? I would say that journey started when I was 10. When I started at the ballet school yeah. and we were put into certain boxes and classes that said what we should be and how we should look like and if we didn't fit in we were out you know and was it, it your choice to to dance were you like oh absolutely yeah. yeah like since I was two years old I, I don't think there was anything else on my mind I mean mm. I was I was certain if there if I have ever been certain about something in my life it was that I had to become a classical trained ballet dancer that stands on stage in a spotlight with a white tutu and point shoes on. That was me. That there was just no other way. Okay. So this is because, you know, little girls have that fantasy, have that dream. They see that, they imagine that, they dance, they twirl before they even know what ballet is. Um, little boys and girls are doing that all over the place. Uh, why did you have such a specific and professional vision about that? Do you think? 
Oh my gosh, that gives me shivers down the spine. I Alex, I have thought about that, why that was. It It's almost like I didn't pick it. It was picked for me. Because there was no, there was no shaking. I, I didn't, I didn't have a choice. That's what it felt like. There was nothing else I would have loved to do. I mean, my parents, bless their hearts, have tried many, many things to show (laughs) me that there is so much out there in the world. Um, I'm like, no, yeah, sure. But not for me. This is what I'm doing. Do I don't take a stab at it. What percentage of dancers, professional dancers, feel the same way? Mm. So I would say back then, uh, 60% felt that way. In Berlin? In Berlin, yeah. Like in mean? our little country yeah, of yeah, the yeah. Deutsche Demokratische yeah. Republik, yeah, definitely. Because you would have not gotten into that kind of schooling if you didn't have the need mm. to. With the need, okay. Uh, now, what do you think it is now? Professional dancers, who, 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 what number, what percentage of the people who are, you know, again, making money, making a living off of this or trying to um, feel like it's because they have to, it's because there is no choice. It is such a hard number to, to put in. I, I would say, I, I think the ones that are making it to the top, Alex, are the ones that don't give themselves another choice. Yeah. Okay. And they also feel that they have put in so much time and effort and money that they clearly don't have another choice because they haven't really learned anything else. Yeah. So that, that choice between having to, because your soul says so, and a choice to have to, because you can't do anything else. I don't know. I don't have a percentage for you. No, it's good. It's an arbitrary number anyway. So I was just trying (laughs) to get that. I was trying to pull that out of you, I think, which is this thought that, yeah, when you do lean into that, um, you know, you could be an Olympian, an athlete or whatever. When you start at that age saying, this is my destiny, this is my thing. And then you get into that, you become that. Then when you leave that, what else is there? Which there's an outcry of people in that position now. All around the world. I left this thing and I don't know what else to do. Isn't it the truth? Yeah. Um, and do you, can I ask a question? Please. Yes. Actually, why do absolutely. you think, why do you think that is? That people get to that point of, I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Because there is this beautiful narrative to follow this, to say, I've wanted to do this since I was a kid. I wanted to be, so I wanted to be an actor since I was a kid because I watched my mom on stage. I wanted to do that. If I had leaned into that and I had said, there's no other way for me, and then I kept doing that and I focused on that, then that's a beautiful story to tell. So we aim for that. We try to do that and create that. And then when you get to the point when you realize, oh, but there's something else, not or, but and, yeah. There's some, and there's something else I'm supposed to do. And this is supposed to somehow serve others. As we discover that, that's when things get confusing because we've been doing something for ourselves to satisfy our own desire, to create our own identity and really feed that, that then when it shifts and we start to realize that it's not just me in this world, um, which is a general way of saying that, but truly what happens, then we start to go, 
oh crap, how do I make that happen now? And that's when people think something's got to shift and I don't feel prepared for this. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start a business, but I know that a business could be good because I can help people with that. But all that I've done is step under the spotlight or do something in this really small bubble. And that's all that I know. And that's all that I can do. That's all that I am. That's who I am. We have a lot of trouble trying to discover something else about ourselves. Mm. Agree? Oh, 100%. <laughs> can I share a side story? When course, I was yeah. about 22, um, I knew that being on stage was not for me. And I had the hardest time. I mean, it took me till what, 30? <laughs> to To really lean into that feeling and understanding that yeah, you give it all and it's okay to change your mind. It is okay to have multiple passions, even though you have been told that you can only have one. Um, I didn't know how to put that feeling that started coming up into words. I didn't know what that was. I thought I was lazy. I thought I was burned out. And I, I think the lesson here is that I think most of all, most of us are multi-passionate. And that we can still do things a hundred percent and be all in, yeah. but use you know other passions to fill our cup up as well. Well, and this is this is what I would say. And so just just humor me a little bit and tell me what it felt like when you were a girl, if you remembered, you know, when you were dancing, when you were imagining that, when you were thinking I need to get into dance. What why? What did dance make you feel? What did that what did you what did you feel? I was absolutely free. So that's where I would say, right? We attach, we talk so much about what we do mm. and not enough about how we feel. This is like the we... fifth time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the theme right now in my life. Well, there the we go. Sentence, yeah. Yes. So this, and so I think that the most interesting stories are not about how you wanted to be a dancer. You became a dancer. Now you help dancers. <laughs> That's wow. Cool. Captivating. Great. Maybe, I don't know, get into the details, get into the struggle. Could be something. Hey, you want something for free? That's going to help you with your speaking. Here it is. When I started out speaking, I had no confidence. Eyes locked on my notes or off on a wild tangent, fidgeting and pacing all around the stage. I wasn't getting asked to speak where I wanted to, and I felt like I was wasting my time and my audience's time. So, you're booked for a workshop or a keynote and the date is fast approaching, or you're hoping to land some speaking gigs as extra income, and you don't know where to begin. If you don't get extra help, you'll be embarrassed, you'll waste your time, and you'll lose relational connections and I'm sure that you can be a more confident speaker and transform your audience. That's why I created the Make Speaking Magical video course. During my 20 years of speaking to crowds, I've learned five main tricks that helped me walk on stage with confidence and make sure my message sticks. I've been repeatedly asked back by event organizers, spoken at workshops about these tricks, and coached individuals on putting these techniques into their talks to give them confidence before a nerve-wracking presentation. 
So whether you're speaking on a big stage or on camera or on a podcast or around the dinner table, the Make Speaking Magical video course will give you everything you need to speak with confidence and transform your audience. And right now, I'm giving away two modules of the seven module course for free so that you can learn to connect with your audience and then really put all this into motion to make your speaking magical. Go ahead, get two modules of the course for free right now just by going to my website, alexstreet.ca. You can find it there or find the link on my bio in my Instagram. Hurry though, because this is only going to be available for a limited time. Tell me how you felt as a kid when you felt free and alive. Then tell me how the the dance company kind of constrained that in within you and the freedom was gone. Now tell me about how you in the most fearful position you've been in is also the most free. That's a freaking transformation that I want to hear. And that goes beyond just dancing. That also goes to the guy who got into business and started in accounting and then got stuck in a cubicle and now is an investment coach for other people who are changing their life. Do you know what I mean? That goes beyond the thing and gets to the universal feelings. And that makes for an interesting story. Goosebumps. Yep. <laughs> I'm good. Dropping the mic. Beautiful. Thank you very much. <laughs> I hope your listeners just really like you need to go back to this and see what he did there. That was ingenious. Thank you, honey. And it's the truth, right? Yeah. So you feel, so you, let's get into what you did. Uh, Because I do want to hear this. The story is so fascinating of how you did, you got in at 10 years old into this pristine, um, you know, uh, academy, I guess, I don't know, school. Um, and, and you rise to the top. I did all the way to the top from literally the bottom five years out of the eight years, I was the black sheep in that who perhaps never is going to be on stage because she doesn't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, her hips are too wide. Her feet are not good enough. And I did take these beliefs on. Mm-hmm. Later on, they manifested in how I felt about myself. However, all of that, it was my fuel. Like I never had doubt that I would get through this. Do, do you know the analogy that when somebody breaks a mirror, they're going to have bad luck for seven week, uh, seven years? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the first night at the dormitory, a huge mirror slipped out of my hand. And broke into a thousand pieces. And all of these 10 and 11 year old girls like laughed their little heads out and said, you're going to be the first one leaving because for the next seven years, you will have bad luck. And I'm like, no, this is good luck. Why? And it was, it How do do you have that truth? What's that? How do you, how do you know? What is that? What, What is that at that age that makes you go, nope, not believing that story? Oh man, Alex, I, I. I wish sometimes that I could channel her back into my life and have her back and tell me exactly these things over and over again. Actually, I'm in a process of going back to her and tell her, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to walk next to me every day because Mm -hmm. I really like what you've done back there. Um, 
I wish I would know. It was just, I didn't know anything else. Yeah. I didn't know that there is failure per se. I was so focused on winning that everything else, no matter what was thrown into my path, I just kicked it aside. I'm like, oh, my hips are too wide. Well, watch me. I'm going to lose another five pounds. And here's how I'm going to do it. Did I hurt myself in the process? And did I establish really bad habits that did not set me up to become confident a woman later on? Absolutely. Right. It was the only, only way that I knew how to get through because we didn't have anybody guiding us. We were just told how to show up and what to do and what was expected of us. And how we got there didn't matter. Mm. So I found my way and I looked at other older girls, you know, how did you lose five pounds? Like, how did you suppress the, the growth of, yeah. of your breasts? Like, what did you do? So let me try that too. All towards the goal of, yeah. of, of what being prima ballerina? Like, is that, is like, it's, that wasn't is... even the goal at that point. And I don't even know why. I think that's where my first peers came in and my mm. beliefs that, oh, that's that's too high. Like, no, not for you. But the goal was to get that contract at the state opera, which I achieved. And then I didn't have another goal because I stopped believing in what else could I do. So... So you, this, this, you're like, I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to have these white shoes. And I'm going to like that. You, you realize that you're, how old were you when you got that contract? You step on stage. So I was 18 when I got the contract, but I was performing already in the company when I was 15 in like Swan Lake. So 15, and- you're already like realizing that yeah. image that you had 18, it becomes official. And then you're like, um, what now? What now? Exactly. I just I just saw a a thirteen year old win the bronze medal or a twelve year old win the silver medal in skateboarding at the Olympics yesterday, and you just go, you've put your entire life into this, which isn't a long life at that point, but, <laughs> but I imagine everything's gone in, yeah, and now you reach the top or or Penny Alexiak, our our Canadian swimmer who now has seven Olympic medals at twenty one, um, yeah, you think okay, so what's next? And it's got to shift. Something has to shift. If you don't have a next, uh, if we don't put that effort into seeing what goes beyond this, so then what What happened for you in that state where you reached this goal and now what? What happened to me? Oh, I, I started um, acting out. I didn't know what to do. Like all of my my fears and insecurities and... Um, abandonment issues, all of that was no longer suppressed and it rose to the top because Mm. I thought I'm there and I didn't have another step to go to. So, and not being aware of that, you know, I was, I was building my business for eight years. And when I was in my business, I literally just existed in the business and I was not building my future business. Wow. I can make that analogy right now, but I couldn't back then. And that's where I find we're not setting up our 
younger people to actually succeed in companies when they're coming in because they think being in the company, that's the goal. Yeah. So how do you, how do you teach someone to think beyond the future that they already are struggling to see? Mm. Oh gosh. How do you teach somebody that? You know what? So if I know that I'm going to, I'm going to Disney world and you're like, Yeah. yeah, but that might not be the end. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how can I think beyond that? I just need to think how I'm going to drive the next 24 hours to get there. That's going to be enough of a journey on its own. And you're telling me think beyond that? How? Okay. I, I don't think I have the golden nugget here. Um, okay. I, I think it is by sharing stories, actually, of what happens when you are just having that that one goal and you don't think beyond it and how how quickly we can become comfortable in that comfort zone in that um familiar zone and we stop living if we don't progress and i i i believe that when you reached a goal it is not about reaching the goal but it is around it is about the journey and who we are becoming to get there. Yeah. And then we have a check-in and then we say, okay, what else is possible? Like, what else can I do? Who else want I, what, what else want, do I want to learn? Like, it's not, reaching a goal is not the end. It's the beginning of something new. Oh, okay. You said you didn't have the golden nugget. As, that was it. That was teasing us i think that's it you just you i mean you're on the right podcast to talk about this but that that's it is is by you how do we teach other people to see beyond their goal you you share the story of how you saw had to see beyond that goal so again now the feeling you know what it feels like to be in that position to think that this is all that there is and then be struck with the the harsh reality that i met this like the expectations were not what was promised and and the the spotlight is not as glamorous as as you think it is or um you get to that place and then you feel empty but beyond that beyond that is where we truly find ourselves and i'm living proof of that so now you start to share that story and now people start to go oh okay oh maybe i Okay, maybe this isn't the end. As you just said, the goal is not the end. It's the start of something new. People start hearing that. And it's not empty words because it's your story. The power in that is so palpable. Huh, it's astounding. Okay, so so let's let's go through this then. Where does it go from there? You you you're in this position and then what you're on stage you're a dancer for the next 20 years well you could be if you make it through <laughs> hey, well, what was yours uh what was mine well i i didn't um i thought changing companies was the right thing to do i was not aware that wherever we go we take ourselves with us and that everything really goes back to our own responsibilities i looked for responsibility everywhere but in me hmm. And with changing companies and countries and and culture, 
I really quickly realized that no, this isn't either it. So I tried out another company until my body, thankfully, literally gave in and said, no, the two by four was huge and just literally knocked me off of my feet and said, no more of this. This is not filling your cup. I could not make that decision because I was so attached to what I thought I was. And I had no idea that I could be somebody else too. I didn't even know who I was, to be quite honest. You know, I knew I was a, a ballet dancer and that was it. You said you moved countries? Yes, I did. So I moved so, from Germany to the United States. And then and then something happens where, like, where you, was it like in the middle of a performance where you passed out or like what? Uh, not in the middle of a performance. I just walked out of a rehearsal that we had done for, I don't know, a month, the same 20-second dance, three hours every day. And I just had it. I could no longer, my feet were so swollen, everything was so inflamed. And it was not because my body wasn't capable of handling it, but because my mind was done. I was questioning every single word that was said. And mind you, the way that we were treated was also very demeaning and disrespectful. And I was at the end of 20 at that point. So I had acquired some attitude at that point <laughs> and I did not want that anymore like I had questions and nobody could answer those questions for me and that's mm -hmm. when I got agitated and I said no I finally put my foot down and I said no more and I walked out and I never came back now did I really hit rock bottom after that yeah I did like my I had depression. I could not, like my body literally refused everything going in until I had released some of the anger that had built up over the past mm -hmm. what, 18 years. Yeah. So you, you have this breakdown. I don't know. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. We can. As you realize I'm, this is not it anymore. You said they have questions that, that, or I have questions that they can't answer. And I think that's what we were talking about earlier is that you get to a point where you're starting to ask questions that the container that you're in, you have been in, can't answer anymore. Hmm. And then, so then we step out of that, mm -hmm. which is rarely a, a clean move. I think it was not clean at all. It was all over the newspaper. Um. <laughs> what really? Like you're yeah. like, people are like, she's out. Like what? Oh no, I I left like from one day to another. I did not give the directorship at the time of day. I just posted a letter and and said, "Thank you very much." But as of today, I am no longer a member of this company. Right before so Nutcracker, you... <clears throat> <laughs> not the Nutcracker. So... Yeah, the Nutcracker. <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, we just so happens we have James on the phone right now. Yeah, it just so happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh. what, though? I would love to talk to that man today. Well, there you go. If you're listening. Yeah. Um, again, let's come back to what we were talking about before, where there is that shift. You shift out of something, recognizing that it's not going to satisfy you anymore. It can't provide what you thought it would. Um, and you look for more, you're looking for more meaning, more, more purpose. Ultimately, I think at this element of service, 
how did you find that or step into that? How did you try to create that? Do you really want to go there? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll touch on um, it. Oh gosh. Okay. So I had this ingenious idea. Okay. Um, I can't believe how what my journey was like. I cannot believe that we're being underpaid and overworked. And why is it the way it is? So that 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 questioning was always in me. I, I remember even my mother. It drove her absolutely nuts, the, the continuous questioning um, of why things are the way they are. And so I'm like, okay, let's just build our own company, not knowing anything about it, no business experience, no fundraising experience. And in a time that, you know, was just right after 9-11 and in the United States, that was the time where many not-for-profit organizations actually shut down because of the lack of funding. And I thought, oh, why why don't we build a company in a city that already had a ballet company? Um, So the odds were talking uh, strongly against us. And long story short, it it did fail heavily. Um, And it was- How long was that running? How long was that uh, Two years. Okay. However, we gave um, 32 dancers the opportunity to have a job where they, you know, normally would not find a company to dance in. So that I'm super proud of that. I'm super proud of the fact that we gave it a shot. I'm super proud of writing a business plan that actually proved non-for-profits. Arts organizations do not necessarily have to be Mm non-for-profit. And mind you, this was like 2002. And yeah, that... That was one of the biggest failures in my life that I also had um, accumulated a lot of shame around that I lost my relationship with my mother with um, that luckily I became pregnant right after. So we actually had no time to feel any kind of self-pity, but we had to dig ourselves out of this and and ask different questions. Mm. So, I mean, it's so beautiful, isn't it? Like you try this thing, you give it a shot and it's raw and real way. This is what has to happen. This is how we have to respond to this is to create our own thing where we get to decide what it looks like and how dancers are treated and how we make money in this. It is possible and we need to give it a shot. And that's the, that's gotta be the celebration. Oh, it is the celebration, right? Oh, yeah. Where we look at that and you're like, you you did the thing. And as you said, you gave 35 dancers like an opportunity. Like there's something so amazing about that, that many of us are not doing that part. So you're showing up today, Suzanne, saying like, yeah, no, I'm trying something that's brand new, but you already tried something like this. You already, you already (laughs) stepped off the cliff as it were, maybe off the stage and, and tried to see what was below, uh, and then you face the failure and then turn into like, okay, now I got to focus on my family. Mm-hmm. Stepped into corporate, nine to five, comfort, yeah, um, business. And I have to say, when I connect the dots backwards, it's exactly what I needed to gain more knowledge. Something that I always wanted to do mm-hmm. around, you know, learning leadership, learning how to build teams learning how to clean up a PL, 
learning how to make money. Mm -hmm. Um, and boy, was that just the same sauce as the past 20 years, you know, only that I had acquired a husband and three kids and (laughs) yet again, was I people pleasing and, and working 60 hours a week and I was exhausted and unfulfilled and, um, building somebody else's dream. Mm. Yeah. So this time around, it was quicker for me to realize that. And I, even though I did not have the words, but I could locate the feeling already in me that was again, so certain saying, no, you're going to quit this. I don't know what's on the other side, but if you continue this way, you're going to jeopardize your family. And that should be the very most important thing because I never had that in the way that I am building it right now in my life. So I might as well give it 120%, you know, and not make compromises here. It's so good. The whole journey is so good. What is, like, you've given us a bunch of moments along the way. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I always say, like, when you're trying to tell your story, look for, don't look for the moment, look for a moment. And you have, many moments that have happened you've got this like all right i was 18 and i hit the stage and or signed the contract and then what and that helps you sort of become who you are now but then also this moment where i quit the company okay that helps you become who you are now and then you start your own thing and that fails and that helps you become who you are now so any of those could be this like what happened climactic moment of the grand story if you wanted it to be right it's up to you tell the story how you want to um as we come to this now, we look at who you are now, you've got Rise Media and you've got this grand vision and plan. Let's go back a little bit, go back from here to like what what was a, a moment that specifically like tipped the scales? And, and I mean, you talked about, you know, stepping in that room on Sunset Boulevard. Was that, was that it? Was there, what was something that really turned you to become like, okay, this is, this is the mission now? This is who I am now. I'm showing up, no longer building somebody else's dream, but building my own. It's it's hard for me to pinpoint it to one moment because there were so many little moments building into making the decision. But I think the, I never thought that it's possible. I didn't, I was so disappointed and sad and angry at the world of ballet that I never ever wanted to put my feet back in. And the moment Chris Harder told me that ego is my biggest overhead and that it is no longer about me, that's where I shifted thinking. That's where I started creating momentum. That's where I started to let go of not all, but some of the limiting beliefs that that really um, were an anchor that did not let me rise up. Yeah. Wow. And that, Ego that is even, your greatest overhead. Isn't it the truth, though? Like, I was so reluctant to believe that. And I think when I first heard him say that, I was like, good Lord, Chris, like, seriously? <laughs> Was that like on a podcast or was that again, like face-to-face? Uh, I think it was in one of our mastermind calls or something calls or, and I heard it 
often enough. But when he said it to me face to face, it's like, it's all about you, Susie. It's about your fears. It's about your lack of, and you're not making it about the people that you actually want to help. You're not making it about the industry. And when you make that shift, that's when everything changes. And I'm like, why didn't I see this before? This is why having a coach is so essential. Like within two minutes, everything changed. Yeah. So this is the beautiful part. This is, this is where this all, it all comes together, right? Because again, we would look at your story and say it's, it, there's a number of different transformations that have happened. But if it's one that you said of like living someone else's dream to now living my own of, of a perfect to um, performing, maybe, I don't know, or from the performance to just playing, I don't, I don't know what, what the transformation is that you sort of step up and you're like, no, this is who I am. This is, this is what's happened. Do you have one that you've, you really mm. land on that you talk about? A I, lot? Well, I would say from, from perfect or from needing to be perfect, to be playful and powerful. That's where I'm at. Like I am just finding mm-hmm. my own power. Like I am just stepping into and accepting that who I am today Mm-hmm. is not necessarily who I have to be tomorrow. And that's okay. Like I'm not letting anybody down by changing or um, not making things right for them. So that's that's where I'm at. And that is such a big, a big step from even two years ago where I thought I had to be all of the things for other people. Yeah. Even as a mother, right? Well, yeah, okay, that's... That's another episode of a podcast. <laughs> um, so this is this is what's so beautiful, right? So you've got this story, and and you've got again a number of moments. And if we 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 bring it down to one that you just shared with us, it's I like living your life feeling like you have to be perfect, you have to show up. There's all these expectations on you uh, from others and from yourself. And then there was this shift that happened with this phrase, ego is your greatest overhead. And somebody said that to you and you you heard it, you embraced it and you went, holy crap, I am the only thing that's holding me back from being powerful, from being playful and stepping into my power in the most honest way. And so now you get to show up with that story and your organization and your brand and your work and every conversation that you freaking have and say, like you did for me before we hit record today, I'm seeing there's a barrier there. There's something there, Alex, what is that? And what you allowed me to do was to speak through that, to see that I had all these other thoughts and all these worries in my head. And then what did I do? I show up and now here I am playing and just kind of being my own power in front of you. So you just sharing this story invites others to do the same and i know that there's people listening who are like who are feeling that they're they're weighed down by the expectation whether they're creatives whether they're artists whether they're dancers or not they're feeling like they're weighed down with these expectations around them from themselves or from others and they would just give anything to feel like they have their own power and actually step into a more playful life how do they connect with you and start a conversation? Oh, I'm if everywhere. That's what they want to do. <laughs> Thank you. 
Can I just, when you were talking, and and I want to go back to your your question, I think that the line here is from chasing to creating. That's my transformation part of it. Um, where can you find me? Oh my goodness. I am on Instagram under Suzanne Prochelle. You go on the show notes. I'm mostly certain that everything is going to be linked up there. I have a website, um, SuzanneProchelle.com, PointToRise.com, podcast, Point to Rise. If you just put in my name, you will find me. <laughs> You will find me. You will find. And that's the key, right? So someone is out there feeling like they're chasing something and they want to get that place of creating. Just start the conversation. Find her and start the conversation. That's it. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation, so please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life, and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.